how's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, workload, and relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 68 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm talking with Andy Baggerly. And this is episode 68, which is the Casey Kelly edition of this podcast, which I'm all in favor of because I can actually watch Casey Kelly pitch. And he is a hero in this household, darn it. Yeah, why why didn't Saturday Night Live reference him in their uh, name pronunciation uh, sketch in Weekend Update? Uh, I, I wanted to hear Casey Kelly's name on Saturday Night Live instead of uh, who was it they picked? Somebody else, I forget. Uh, you know, I actually didn't even know about that, but I do know that uh, Casey Kelly. It's actually the case silent. Uh, the case silent. I screwed up my own joke. It's a, It's more like Casey Jelly. I don't know where you're going with this. I'm completely I don't know, confused. It was a Sean Jelly joke, but listen, it's okay. tired. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we're not here to talk about Casey Kelly or uh, Zach Green or Chris Stratton or Xavier Nady. Those are the other 68s. Uh, championship player Xavier Nady. We're here to talk about the potential for actual Major League Baseball in the season. And there has been a proposal that has been crafted. It's pending ownership and union approval, but there would be a regular season perhaps beginning in early July. Maybe 80 games, maybe 78, 82 is a possibility, just somewhere in there. It would be a regional schedule, so it would be a whole lot of Padres. It would be a whole lot of Rockies. It would be home parks, no fans. I mean, there's all sorts of these quirky things about it. I don't think it's going to happen myself, but I'm a pessimist, I guess. What have you heard about it? A whole lot of A's, too. Don't forget. That would be interesting. The Bay Bridge series, like every other weekend. Why not? Um, Oh, I haven't been paying attention to the A's. Good. Um, I, Can they hit yeah, home runs? They're, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're okay. Oh, they got a few dang. got a few decent guys. Yeah, they oh, do, unfortunately. Okay. And some pitchers that are like really young and really awesome, and we haven't even oh, seen right. how good they are yet. Yeah. They would probably crush the Giants, wouldn't they? I mean, you know, it's it. maybe we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, I mean, we know some things about how this might look, and, and, and I think that's more than the wild notions that were being floated, you know, like a... a trial balloons over Albuquerque for about a month and a half there. At least now we know that if they can get baseball off the ground, if they can agree to this, if they're, um, if the country can open up a little more, if it's safe, if everyone decides that uh, uh, they can come to an agreement on how to split the, the revenue pie, then it would be about an 82-game season. There would be a universal DH, so we know Madison Bumgarner's voting against this. And, you know, yeah, they would play NL West versus, against each other and also the AL West, and then the Central from the two uh, leagues would play each other and the East. I, that part I don't really understand so much. I mean, if these guys are 
are on charter private flights, what does it matter if they're if the Giants are flying to Seattle or or New York? I don't know why it would make any difference, but yeah. any anyway, that that's that's what they're looking at, and you know, there's going to be a lot of saber rattling and a lot of disagreements and and a lot of posturing. Maybe none of this can happen. Maybe we're just not at a position where it's the responsible thing to do, and greater heads will will recognize that if that is indeed the case. But we do know if they are able to play, that's kind of what it's going to look like. And it seems that when you're haggling over all this and you've got uh, Blake Snell causing a kerfuffle uh, when he's talking about Twitch, how he doesn't want to take a pay cut, he refuses to take a pay cut. But his general point with sound is that he's sort of worried about the risk and the safety and he's going out and he's doing this. And maybe if you get it, hey, it doesn't kill you, but it can mess with your repertory system. Like there's a lot that we don't know about this. So to say, you know, just to pat every player on the button, say, go get him. Uh, don't worry about it. You will probably be fine. I, I think that's presumptuous. I, I don't know. I, so that's what makes me think this is a little far-fetched, is that you have to think safety first, and I don't think that anyone has a real idea of how to do that. If they're going to ask the players to take a 50-50 revenue split, which they are going to see as basically akin to a salary cap, which is, even in these unprecedented circumstances, not a precedent that they want to set uh, with another CBA negotiation coming up, that's sort of where these discussions begin. And I think Snell's point while it was very inelegantly stated, like, I'm going to go sure. get mine or I'm staying at home, I understand that, yeah, you're going to play half the games, but you want a larger slice of money. I, I get, like, the whole concept of hazard pay. By the same token, you know, if, if they don't play any games, all the players are going to split $170 million, which is, like, what, $500,000 a piece? So, you know, that's the major league minimum, which, you know, for the superstars are going to be walking away from, you know, multi-millions of dollars. And I, I just thought that Ken Rosenthal story was wild that if that happens, if they don't have a season, yeah. the people who are going to be the highest paid players are the guys who have, are already like done and they've been uh, released and, and teams are eating their money like Prince Fielder's making $20 million this year. And the giant, the highest paid giant, of course, yes. would be... Zach Cozart. Zach Cozart. <laughs> giant legend, Zach Cozart. Oh, we remember the times we had. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a weird and twisted world, man. But uh, I just try to understand all sides and where they're coming from. But ultimately, nobody can go wrong if the most important consideration for everybody, for the players, for management, understanding that you're going to be putting a lot of support staff and people who aren't making million-dollar salaries in a position of risk, it's got to be health, it's got to be safety, it's got to be responsibility. I mean, it's 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 the sort of politically correct thing to say, but it's also the right thing to say. Politically correct, it, it, it's, I mean, I know what, where you're going with that, but it's like, it, it's just common sense. Like, you've got to worry about that first. You can't worry about, well, you know, the money, or you have to worry about tap dancing for the general public. It is the the people who are getting the fields ready. The the I mean, the support system that comes with every Major League Baseball game, even without fans. Like, think about them. Think about the, the people who are at home. Are they older? Are they at risk? I mean, you just have to be safe and cautious. And I really think that is the, the number one priority. The money, I'm sure that the pie can be divided at, at some point, is, as long as there is some rational thought behind it. I'm, I'm not as worried about the pie being divided. They'll come to terms on that. Everyone's going to realize it's in the best interest of the game to be played as long as there is a pie. But you got to make sure that that pie is not under some like Acme brand rocket. That's gonna, Am I taking the analogy too far? You got to make sure the pie is safe, dang it. Are we talking about a savory pie or is this a fruit pie? And then we could we could do the rest of this podcast talking about the concept 
concept of hot fruit, which I know is a big a big thing on Twitter. Is, is hot fruit disgusting or is it delicious? I mean, we really could go a while on this. Yeah, I'm not a big fruit guy in general, but you know, you give me some sautéed peaches or something, that's pretty good. I'll tell you what's, what's tough in this household right now is that I have a lot of flour. I ordered from a, a bakery surplus type place uh, and I have just a ton of flour. And my my 11-year-old daughter is baking now. She's That's her hobby in this, this shelter in place. Uh, the problem is that my 7-year-old daughter is allergic to eggs. And so it takes all of this, you know, all of these gymnastics to to recreate uh, recipes without eggs. And she's doing a great job. At the same time, when I'm thinking of like a banana cream pie, you're not really rolling without eggs for a banana cream pie. So I can't, I can't put that bug in her ear. Mm. Um, But you know, everything else is delicious. But yeah, we can talk about fruit. We should work out a trade. (laughs) Uh, uh, You want to, you want to trade some of that flour? Uh, You know what? I got that much in order to play Santa Claus with it. And I have. I've given away (laughs) about 25 pounds of flour. It's like Tony Um, Montana's desk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's Homer Simpson when he finds the free sugar with pieces of glass in it. I'm I'm a sugar lord. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's uh, how do we get on pie? I feel like this is like Settlers of Catan. I will trade you roasted coffee for flour. I will trade you wood for uh, wool or wheat. I am actually doing okay on roasted coffee. I get a, a delivery every two weeks from Timeless Coffee in Piedmont. Uh, they are a great local business. Uh, so support Timeless Coffee. Do you know Timeless Coffee? I do not know Timeless Coffee. No, I I, uh, I bought a, a a new coffee roaster that I would Ooh. say it probably falls under the light commercial duty category. Um, <laughs> and so I I can roast lots and lots of coffee. I probably have about 100 pounds of green coffee here that I can roast. So um, yeah, oh, wow. that, that's that's my side business if baseball never returns. Just an incredible coffee dork. Even like when I think I understand the depths of your coffee dorkitude, like you just, you take it an extra 100 pounds of green coffee. Like I just, that's outstanding. No, thank you. It's, um yeah, it's really out of control, but you know. <laughs> No, I, I'm not. I'm not even being facetious. Like it's just like, man, that is that is in deep. Like I think I'm, you know, cool because my hobbies are like collecting records and playing the mandolin or something. And you're like busting out the coffee. Oh no, those are jealous. those are much much cooler hobbies. Trust me. Yeah, those those are. Uh, cooler it's a little hobbies. comic book guy. It's a little comic book guy. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. But uh, anyway, um, so if you if you can get more flour, I'll take some flour off your hands. I'll trade you some coffee, or I could I could give you an entire bushel of loquats off our loquat tree because we've got about. I knew that you were a loquat baron. We've got, I knew that you were a loquat baron. I, I, I am a loquat baron. Yeah, I, I pretty much have the corner. Uh, I have the market cornered on on loquats. So, all right. Well, just give me your address at the end of this episode while the, the, all the microphones are rolling, and uh, I will get you some flour. But let's jump back. This all started with pies and divvying up pies. Let's pretend that the Major League Baseball Players Association and the owners they can agree on how to divvy up a pie. Eighty games, eighty-two games, seventy-eight games, whatever. What does this do for the? Giants. Like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm kind of thinking what you're thinking. I mean, you know, the shorter the season is, the more statistical weirdness could happen. The more that the rules are changed, I think the more that works to the advantage of a baseball operations group run by Farhan Zaidi, who is very, very good at operating within a given set of rules and changing as those rules change. The DH, obviously, I think is not going to play to their advantage, just given Mm -hmm. where their hitting talent is relative to the rest of the league. The schedule 
schedule maybe could work in their favor. Who knows? But more expanded postseason, you know, you start to wonder, could the Giants, you know, they weren't going into the season thinking they were going to tank. I think most people would imagine they would be a sub 500 team. How's the out of the park uh, baseball simulation going for the Giants? Not maybe Listen, so. I'm not on trial here. I'm not on trial. <laughs> However, I think that's one point that we did gloss over is that there would be potentially 14 postseason teams. So yeah. seven in each league, which is wild. Okay, so I'm going to read off some names uh, of former Giants. These are the 1977 Giants. You have starting second baseman Rob Andrews. You have Tim Foley at shortstop. Daryl Thomas in center field. You have a rotation. Uh, actually, the rotation is pretty darn good. You've got Halicki, Barr, Nepper, Monofusco. Um, but at the same time, the 70, 77 Giants finished uh, 75 and 87. They were bad. Uh, however, the 1978 Giants, fans of a certain vintage, talk about them. And they're remembered for keeping it interesting. They were 50 and 32 in their first uh, 82 games, even though, you know, they might not have been that good on paper, but they had that fast start. And when you're talking about Giants teams, you think mentally in your head, you're thinking of the, the okay, 97, 2000, 2003, like he, these years mean something to you. But then you can also get these years that, I don't know, it would have been a little bit different. You'd remember them differently with just 82 games. Like the 2016 Giants, my God, they'd be world beaters. Right. Uh, you know, different teams like that, the 66 Giants. I mean, obviously they had, uh, who are those guys? The Willies. Uh, but, you know, the 2009 Giants, the 2011 Giants, you have these teams that would have been slam dunk, like 82 game season contenders and maybe division winners. And I, I don't know where the Giants are in terms of talent relative to those teams, but they would have a much better shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think uh, the 77 uh, parallel to last season in terms of record um, probably doesn't take as much into account the fact that they were hyper lucky last season and were a lot worse than their record indicated because of how they didn't mm. one run games, which obviously we both know. Um, so, you know, I, I think they got a little bit of a steeper year to year hill to climb. But I'll tell you what, if, if you just shake up the bottle... Um, you get this group going into a season actually legitimately thinking something weird could happen and why not? Why couldn't they do it? I, I, I think it starts with that belief and it was going to be really hard as, as sort of positive as the vibes were in spring camp uh, a couple months ago. It was going to be really hard for that team to have authentic belief that they were going to contend. And maybe that changes. Um, maybe, you know, the the law of averages won't catch up with them. Maybe they will be enough of an outlier to be able to sneak in. And if they can even sneak into just a one-game playoff, they've got Madison. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Darn. <sighs> oh, I was, I was, it was going so well. And then I just... Sorry, sorry. No, no. Well, you killed the vibes, but <laughs> I will bring that back because I'm th also thinking the baseball players, they're creatures of habit, okay? And so you're also throwing in this uncertainty of are the great players on Team X, uh, let's call them the slodgers, like are they <laughs> going to be as great as maybe in this shortened season as they could have been if everything was humming along like like normal, they've run into the season and they're just, you know, the great team that they, they've been. Uh, how many players on that team are going to be messed up for the first couple of weeks? And the first couple of weeks are, you can extrapolate that out. That's basically a month in baseball time in the real world. Like there's going to be so much weirdness that you can't help but just say, okay, we knew the Giants are probably going to be bad. What this shortened season presupposes is 
maybe they won't be like, uh, no, I don't know. Weird stuff can happen. And injuries are a wild card for every team. And you mm. think somebody, you know, breaks their hand on a pitch and is out for a month and a half. I mean, a month and a half means a lot more if in an 80 game yeah. season than a 162 game season. And what if that player is Cody Bellinger? You know, uh, like you said, the slow start thing that that doesn't just happen to some players that happens to superstars. I mean, uh, it wasn't long ago. Paul Goldschmidt was just awful uh, until the second half of, a year or two ago. And, and then he turned right. it up. Uh, I mean, if that can happen to a guy like him, it can happen to anybody. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you could totally see enough deviation going on. Um, that and and maybe uh, maybe Kapler and, and Farhan really do have find some magic and and are able to to um, you know sort of winnow some some advantages around the edges and periphery uh, and, and and you know use the three batter minimum rule to the maximum advantage. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot of I and I actually wonder if they'll do away with that rule. I haven't heard anything to that effect, and I mm-hmm. imagine they won't. But um, you know, it's probably not a good thing to ask pitchers to do that when they're going to have less time to, to get ready for the season. I, I, I bet you they bring that up. That is a good point. The minimum batter rule. But also, here's one something that, that's freaking me out. What about a trade deadline? Is there even going to be one? Is it going to be after 40 games, like they just split it in the middle? I Because the Giants were really counting on the idea of a trade deadline. Because if uh, Kevin Gaussman has a tremendous start, he's a free agent. The Giants sort of got him with the idea of being a little bit of a showcase player, maybe to be around and take innings so that you're not grinding the young pitchers into dust, but also to be a little bit of a showcase player, a Drew Smiley as well. What happens to the trade deadline? Yeah, that's a really good point. And when you set it for, because you can't set it too early, uh, no one's going to want to move any any veteran players that early because everyone's still going to be contending, but you can't make it too late uh, either. So um, yeah, gosh, that that's that's a really good question and something that I'd imagine they're they'll have to uh, come up with with something that that makes sense. I'm I'm with with 20 games left, maybe I I don't know. That's that's a good point. Now the only thing I know is that if this season goes off, it's going to be a complete abstraction of what we think about when we think about a normal regular season. When it comes to the postseason format, who is contending? You might have two 500 teams in the World Series. It's going to be this weird warped abstraction. And I think the message everyone needs to get through their heads right now is that you have to be okay with that. And you've got to just sort of pump your fist and go, oh, heck yeah, this is what we get. Got it. Like, even if you're a traditionalist, you're a purist, you hate the DH, you hate this and that. It just, I mean, the weirdness that they did in 81, where they split the seasons in the strike season and they had like first half champions and second half champions. And I think the Reds and Cardinals had the best overall record for the year and they didn't even make the postseason because they weren't first half or second half champions. Uh, it's awful, but at the same time, that's how they. That was a really bad plan. But the idea that you're just going to hate whatever happens, no, 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 go with whatever happens and just sort of roll with it. Yeah, I never ever heard a good explanation for why they did that in 1981. So I guess were they thinking, well, that's that's what we do in a shortened minor league season. But the reason they do that is because teams call up prospects, and you have a different roster from the start of the year to the end of the year. So it sort of makes sense to to reward players who haven't necessarily been there all year. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why they did that, but 81 was weird. I mean, I always, even as a kid, like collecting baseball cards and seeing the number of games people played, I thought, what happened this year? This was a weird year. I was doing a little bit of research and I was going through players who had hot starts and stuff like that, just to see what kind of weirdness might be possible. And if you're looking at 
like a very, very weird season. Let's say the season is, I don't know, 50 games, 60 games, 70 years, whatever. Like Rod Carew in 1983 was hitting 443 through 40 games. Uh, and I love it. I just love the idea that this could make these seasons where you have to not put an asterisk by them, but just squint and take them in context and love them and appreciate them for the the weirdness that they are. And I, I'm sort of, I mean, everything's awful right now, but I'm kind of looking forward to that weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I am too. Obviously, we all we all want to see games and, and it's going to give us something to do besides talk about, um, you know, trading loquats <laughs> for, for flour. <laughs> Unless people really respond to that, in which case, boy, we could come up with all kinds of uh, commodities uh, uh, we could exchange. But um, talking loquats ta- with that. Talk, talking loquats. Only once every two years, though. Our tree, for whatever reason, doesn't bear every year. Um, but when it does, oh, you got loquats for trading. Um yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I I, I want to see Mookie Betts in a Dodger uniform. I I want to see what that lineup looks like. I know that you know I'm going to get booed in a submission for saying something like that, but yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I, sorry, but um, you know, I do want to see Madison Bumgarner face Buster Posey. I I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, all of that's kind of on hold for now. Let's pause to talk about hydrant. You want to kick the coffee habit, but you're worried about your energy levels. To avoid the morning sluggishness and that midday slump, you need to make sure that you're hydrated. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC. So if you're looking at what's going to happen, what the Giants lineup is going to be, are you hitting Puig leadoff? <laughs> cleanup. Where, where do you have Puig? Uh, well, I've got Joey Bart hitting cleanup. So you know, maybe I'll put Puig fifth. He can provide a little lineup protection for the kid. How about that? <laughs> yeah. No, you I, I keep forgetting that Joey Bart might actually be on the roster. I think that could actually work. Like, uh, it, listen. If you're talking 80 games, why not in a DH? 80 games in a DH, Bart, Puig, anyone you can sign. R- rouse some people up who are retired. What's Bonds doing? Let's let's figure this out. <laughs> and, and, and you know, if they're going to build in some double headers, that means your backup catcher is going to be playing more than your backup catcher otherwise would. And they're going to have to use a 40-man spot for their backup catcher regardless. And they'll probably keep more than one. Um, uh, because the, the guys in camp were Tyler Heineman and Rob Brantley. So, you know, I, I think we learned from 2000, uh, what was that, 2011? Uh, a lot of, of Chris Stewart was not a good idea for that team. So um, I, 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 why not have Joey Bart in there? And, and he can he can DH uh, or catch, uh, and Buster can DH and catch as well. And, and you can spread it around, slide Hunter Pence in that DH spot sometimes. And, um, and, and it might be the only chance that Joey Bart gets to play meaningful games where he can actually learn and, and develop. So, and, and he'd probably make them a better team if, if he can, uh, wallop some balls out of that there ballpark. So, um, yeah. yeah, why not? That's a good point. And I actually wrote about the possibility of the Giants and the DH and what they might do. And, you know, in sort of isolation, here's what you would do if you were the Giants and you knew that you were going to have a DH before all this started. You would go out and you would sign 
a player with some power, preferably maybe some right-handed power, and who was comfortable being a DH at that stage of his career, maybe someone who had been successful as a DH recently. And everything I was describing kind of sort of sounds like Hunter Pence. So if you're going to have a DH, they kind of have one on the roster already. Yeah, they do. And and you could use Alex Dickerson as the DH, and, and there's your platoon right there. Um, but, you know, uh, obviously they don't have 8 million really good outfielders uh, <laughs> near, in the major leagues or at the major leagues. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Joey, guess what? You're in the big leagues, and you're going to be playing center field. Good luck. Go get them. All right, all right. Wait, wait, wait. We got, we got Bart at catcher. You've got Posey at first. Belt is in the outfield. Dubon is, is now, he's now uh, center field. Okay, now we've got to think. Think outside the box. Now, you know what I mean? Let's, let's get weird with an 80-82 game season. I, you're actually describing a lineup that I'm starting to squint and think, you know, if they really could get a little more from a healthy uh, Posey, and he was swinging a lot better uh, in camp, uh, and he's not going to get worn down by catching 100 games, obviously. Um, you, you get a little more out of Brandon Crawford, maybe. Um, and he seemed to be, you know, at least uh, uh, have his mind right and, and was really working hard to try to figure some things out at the plate. Uh, all that... L- all those things that sounded like just absolute lip service in spring training. Now you're like, wait, maybe it's not lip service. Maybe all that could really happen. You got an outfield of uh, Belch, Dubon, and Puig. Maybe they can hit a little bit. It's funny, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, it makes a lot of sense for them to go out and get get Puig and have him play in, in right field. And you've got Yastrzemski as well, uh, who could maybe platoon with him. And, and well, he's at second. Bench. Oh, oh, wait. You've got Yastrzemski at second? I don't know. No, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I completely just glossed over uh, Yastrzemski in that scenario. But he, he, look, what you're looking for is a team that keeps you interested halfway through the season if you squint. And I don't think the Giants are going to win the World Series in this weird brand of uh, even your nonsense. But I think they could make an interesting team halfway through the season if you squint. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, one of the biggest problems for this team last year was all the early crooked numbers and and, and the, the first three innings, the run differential. And, and so obviously they're going to have to pitch better and get more out of the rotation. And, you know, Johnny Cueto is going to be a big key to that. Um you know, Jeff Samarja obviously is someone who has to build on what he did last year. Um, and, and Gaussman and Smiley have to be the kind of acquisitions that the front office envisioned. But at least you can kind of see the inventory of innings. Uh, losing Tyler Beatty hurts, but, um, you know, yeah, you, you at least have to have to see a, a log of innings and, and, and understand that there's got to be some sort of um, unconventional pitching usage. Uh, to limit exposure to those guys you maybe don't want throwing a lot of pitches and facing a lot of hitters. And, and you know, who knows? Maybe they could find a way to do that. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's hard for me to say, oh, yeah, the Giants are definitely going to contend. But I think that there's a non-zero chance that they could contend. And that's probably better than what we were expecting in the spring. I, I guess yeah. non-zero is always where any team is at. You can always have, I don't know, the Twins come out of nowhere and, and win the World Series. But it, more than a non-zero, it's just sort of like, okay, I can see some freaky one-run games here, Pythagorean flaunting there or flouting there. Like, uh, I can almost kind of see it. And we have a real potential for a very strange World Series champion this year, if if the season is played. And I want the fans of, of whoever wins this World Series, whoever the champion of 2020 is, 
wear that proudly. Don't listen to all the people who say, oh, you know, like if it's the Padres. See, the Padres win the World Series this year. Or the Indians. Yeah, funny. It's great. Just own it and just be like, heck yeah. It's it's like the Valentine that Charlie Brown gets where uh, his classmates like scratch out the name and hand him a used Valentine. He doesn't care. He's like hugging the Valentine. Like I finally got a Valentine. This is so great. I can tell you that if I made a hole in one on an executive crappy municipal par three (laughs) hole that was like 67 yards and I used my lob wedge uh, teed up and I still hold it out. I would be that that golf ball would be like on display in like a, a case with like xenon gas in there to make sure that it would be like last forever. I mean, I wouldn't care. It would still be a hole in freaking one. So, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, no, that is uh, <laughs> if I if I got a hole in one, then we'd know the simulation really is broken. Uh, <laughs> we haven't talked golf, but I read your article uh, about the golf course that opened up and I was like, oh, I got to check this golf course out. And then I read further and I was all, nope, not for me. They'll yell at me. <laughs> They will yell at me. Uh, One real quick golf story I can share is uh, when I first started, I I didn't golf until I was 22, and I I married into a golfing family. And whenever I'd go travel and be with that side of the family, I would have to golf. And so I would go to a driving range, and I'd dutifully try and pick up the game of golf. And I learned that if I held the golf club like a a, uh, a baseball bat and I swung it kind of like a baseball bat, I could hit these weird, you know, 200, 250-yard drives that, that had the this weird slice that I can almost kind of control. And then I hit one and it hit off the literal side of the driving range and hit me in the, the jaw. And oh, no, it, no. You have to see the angle on this. It was a trick shot like you wouldn't believe. And that was the last time I swung a club like that. But anyways, that's the kind of golf I am. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope you're not giving lessons. Uh, <laughs> it'd be like going to Hunter Pence's Baseball Academy. If, if it were on a TikTok, you would have seen it by now because everyone would have seen it. I just cold cocked my, myself. Anyways, okay. so Better I, than getting in the beans. <laughs> I guess that would have been next up. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I think we're going to wrap this up by saying baseball good. Uh, shortened season, fine. Uh, all the weirdness, the DH, the extra postseason teams, mascots pitching, trampolines. I don't care. Just get it in front of us. That's great. I still kind of, I'm going to be a pessimist and say 3070 that it actually happens. Are you, are you that pessimistic? Well, first of all, no, there's not going to be any trampolines involved. That That's completely, I, I will not show up if there are trampolines. But um, uh, no, I, I, I agree. I think it's, I think that everyone wants it to happen. Um, I think it probably will happen from a negotiation standpoint, from mm-hmm. a revenue standpoint. Is it going to happen from a health standpoint? And that's and the larger forces at work that no one can control and no one can predict. That's what makes this difficult. And that's what makes it hard for me to say it's better than 50-50. I would say it probably is better than 50-50 because the, um, I think that everyone is motivated enough to make it happen and there's enough political pressure for it to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's just to say it almost seems foolish to try to put odds on it. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know me. I'm foolish enough to try anything. And one thing I really enjoy is pulling numbers out of my backside. So instead of, you know what? I'll take that 37 and do 31.8. And yeah, I'm not doing math on a podcast. All right. Uh, so that has been episode 68 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Monday for a rather nice podcast, I, I do believe. And we hope you will join us then. Thank you for listening today.